Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, a podcast presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars related to game design and publishing. This podcast has been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers and Metatopia 2018, episode 189, Expanding Fantasy, presented by DC. Butts. Okay, so here's the overview. This is uh, this is a panel uh, like everyone goes. Oh, this panel it's like about diversity, and it's like kind of yes, but it's more of a very more focused part of diversity. This is uh, like a few steps down the line. Uh, a lot of the time, there are people who are like. I want to have diverse people at my table and I want to like be more inviting and like why don't people of color come back or queer people I was super nice and like we had a good time and all that kind of stuff but like they don't want to play or they're not interested and they're just like oh it's not for me or whatever it happens to be right and uh, this also kind of blends into like a lot of the reasons uh, that I've been seeing people's games aren't as attractive people make games and they can even be good functionally but they're boring because they're like every other game that already exists uh and the games that are getting a lot of hype surrounding them aren't necessarily like mechanically better or anything like that but they address a lot of this stuff uh, which i think just makes better games in general but it is also extremely more welcoming to diverse people, people of marginalized backgrounds. So, uh, tabletop RPGs are largely based off of the same fictional settings and principles. Uh, this choice comes with complications when uninspected act as elements of gatekeeping at worst and discomfort at best. We're going to discuss some of the pitfalls of choosing most traditional settings and the benefits of expanding outward. So, uh, the choices you make in establishing the fiction of your RPG directly impact how different groups of people interact with it. 100%. My favorite thing to trash in the whole world is uh, Lord of the Rings. Because Lord of the Rings was made by a person who had gone to war, had some very strong feelings about different races and people of different backgrounds, and then put it all into a game. And it is very one-to-one, like, when, when unins- uninspected, uh, you can be working in a high fantasy, Lord of the Rings-based setting, and, uh, and when I say Lord of the Rings-based, I mean you have your dwarves and your elves and your gnomes or hobbits or whatever and your humans and all that kind of stuff, and you will be... So most of the time unintentionally unintentionally taking very old racist tropes and throwing them at people whether you realize it or not because you're like oh well I have this cool stuff I want to do let's just use dragons and these mythical like races but as soon as you have uh, goblins and orcs and dwarves you're taking the commentary that someone from 80, 90 years ago, I don't know how old Dokken is, uh, like, uh, took and then put into the fiction and then you're leaving it uninspected and now you have all this bullshit that you probably don't even want in there. And a lot of the time what people do is, I see this super often, is they just go, I'm just gonna not, I'm just gonna, we won't talk about it, I won't bring that up. I'm a good person. I'm not gonna like, I'll just move them around into different uh, different roles and it'll be like, oh, the orcs are the governors now or whatever, you know, like put people in position of power and switch stuff like that. That is, it's not inherently bad. It can be good, it can be well done, but that's, uh, it's short-sighted 
Um, if you're short on time, you know, if you don't have, like, the ability to create a whole new thing, you know, you do what you got to do. But for the most part, like, you're still catching a lot of that stuff. So uh, the first thing that I want to get into is the past. Uh, the rule of law is that every day backward is worse than the day forward in fiction because the farther back you go, the less rights someone has, mostly everyone. And the more caricatures of people exist. And even worse than that, old racist tropes that we don't even know are racist anymore are in there. I had someone tell me who was on this panel with me at another con that they like to go back to find out if something is problematic. They like to go back to the time period of where something is in one of their games and look at the political cartoons of the time. And then you'll be like, oh shit, everything in this setting is really fucking bad. Like, they went one-to-one -one direct, like, holy crap. Um, that's why there's a lot of issue uh, with, uh, like, uh, goblins, specifically. I think it was goblins and... Uh, and... Uh, like Gringotts, for example. In 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 my generation, I'm 28, so I'm a little young. We were reading Harry Potter, and we see Gringotts, and they're all like goblins or gnomes or whatever in there. And the description of them was like, I kind of know this because I've seen it in things before. But if you go back to political cartoons of Jewish people at the time, it's one to one. Like, it's heavily racist. It is fucked up bad to where if a kid who is Jewish is reading this, they're like, huh. And if the parent looks at it, who's a little bit older, and they have that experience, it's like, yo, some things are being said about us that it's like, oh, well, no one really cares anymore, so we're going to throw that under the rug. Or, like, people don't care as much. Um, but that's the sort of thing that starts to build under the surface discomfort for people, right? In Dungeons and Dragons, for instance, orcs are black people specifically. It's real bad. Uh, they kind of treat tieflings as intersection of like people of color and queer people. The queer people have heavily adopted tieflings. I think there's still some intersection with people of color. But like the, uh, recently I had uh, the opportunity to read a D&D, &D, like a physical copy in my hands, which was amazing because for all the shit I talk about it, I do love Dungeons and Dragons for reasons. But, uh, uh, and, and content warning here, specifically about sexual assault, orcs are, like, half-orcs only exist because orcs sexually assault people. And, like, now, we still have half-orcs now, and they have not changed any text to, to say that this is a thing that has changed, or that the relationships between humans and orcs is better. They still have orcs established as a race of creatures that goes around pillaging and destroying everywhere they go who are not very intelligent and don't really give a shit about having a civilization beyond that. So they still are implying that those things happen. You're leaving all of that stuff open when you go, even if you go, well, I'm going to take this orc and I'm going to make this orc the sheriff of village town. Sheriff of what? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. It's one of my favorite movies. Uh, Blazing Saddles reference, internet. Go watch Blazing Saddles. Um, actually, Blazing Saddles is a really good like comparison to this whole thing because that's what we do is that we take like these particular creatures. For example, and I'm going to pick on D&D &D again. I'm sorry, my, uh, Mike Merles. Uh, they have the story of the Dro, who... They're like, the Joe are bad. They decided to be bad. All of them are really bad. But there's this one Joe who did a really good thing. And now people are like, eh, maybe they can be good sometimes. <laughs> and that's a horrible story of taking something in the past, instead of breaking it down and changing something, tokenizing someone by taking them out of the context rather than just fixing the context. And we do that a lot to try and make people feel better. It's it most of the time makes people feel worse. So going into the past, there's a lot of problems. 
You can you. I'm not saying that you cannot go into the past. There are lots of games that do it really well that I've played recently that I think are fucking amazing. But the reason that they do it so well is because they completely understand this is what was going on, and if they can subvert that context, it's because they have a deep understanding, usually within their heritage, and from the perspective that you understand the most is the way that you can most make beneficial change. You don't have to tackle everything going on in a time period, but something that you understand that you can do is really good. So, time period. Uh, let's go to the future. Uh, this kind of wraps into civilization. Uh, colonization sucks. If your fiction takes place in a colonized space, then you've already set a boundary between one set of people and the, the other. It's heavily uncomfortable, and sometimes just a bummer, for players of color to deal with. Colonization. Uh, so, uh, this is where I like to talk about the future. Because the future is a place where uh, we as game designers think it is safe to do whatever we want, and that we don't have to inspect how we think. Because if we go... It's the year 2155, and we live on Mars, and we have a bunch of space stations that we send out, and because we're smarter now, we mine the moons of Venus. And I don't know if Venus has moons, don't quote me. Uh, we mine the moons of Venus for resources, and now we are in a utopia. It sounds rad as fuck, but like, we mine the moons of Venus, we took over Mars, and like we're moving over to another planet and taking resources from another place that we don't understand, right? Like we we the basis of that story is we moved to a place, we took a bunch of shit that we needed. And it's not it's not there's no deep understanding there, no conversation about how we treat environment. Like usually if we're in space, unless it's like uh like a thriller thing or like a um resource-based thing, which still has, has like similar problems, um, we still have the habit of, because of the, the concepts of colonization, not respecting our environment, and then if we don't respect the environment, we don't know who or what is there or why, or if we are fucking with somebody else, or if we even care. Um, also, in the same way, with the future, a lot of the time people will just be like, racism doesn't exist. And like cool uh but in that space one if you just say that how why what has it been replaced with um and who are you leaving out because my immediate reaction because i am black and queer and non-binary so just a bundle of shit and if someone was like there are black queer non-binary people in space i'm like rad as hell but if you were like, if we just kept going through the game, if there's like never a disabled person, then disabled people don't exist. If there's never a trans person, trans people don't exist. If you don't have them in your game, they don't exist. And so when you sit down at the table and you bring people in and you're like, okay, well, here we're playing this game. If they make their character the first trans person in your universe, they're gonna feel uncomfortable because you're saying that in the future they're gone. You're, you're actually completely erasing people. Um, and that's one of those things where it's like, okay, do I have to think about every possible type of person that exists in the world in order to make a future? It's a or like Starfleet, where there is no racism, but everybody's just white. Yeah. <laughs> that means they killed all the people. <laughs> 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 like they're all dead. Uh, that's the assumption we're going to make off, based off of the history we're existing in now. So you have to plot that course and say, what are these changes like? And that's why, like, sensitivity reading is super important. Uh, like, going through and understanding all the types of people that exist in the world and giving them a place there. Uh, it's... There are multiple benefits. So that was actually going to my next point. Uh, NPC representation is super good, and it's a really easy way to go... These people exist in the world. And it's not something that is just, if I check off these boxes, then now it's cool. It is extremely fucking beneficial to your creative process. And I'm going to tell you a little story as of why. Uh, 
there was this, I was recently playing a game of Fate, and I need to do this shit. So I was like, I'm gonna expand into some other cultures and see like what I can do. Um, my character was a swordmaster in this world of Fae, and like the world, like the uh, the Fae Wild was existed like in this forest that once you go into it it's basically like another dimension it's like a TARDIS in there you go in and now you're in the thing um, and some people could like come in and out and my character like learned to be a sword master in the Feywild and can like come out and like defends the land and all this kind of stuff and I was like okay uh, I need to diversify and like think a little bit more because I was like he gonna be black that's it and that's always great but uh I started thinking about, like, okay, so this person, their swordmaster, there's a bunch of different kinds of swords in the world, there are a bunch of different kinds of fighting styles, like, I want to find out more. Um, so, instead of just picking something that I already know, I started looking into, I thought, I wanted my character to be from, like, somewhere in North Africa. I don't know shit about North Africa. So I started looking up swords that were, like, from that area. So I just, Wikipedia... And I started checking stuff out, and I found the Kopesh, which is, it looks like a sickle. It's like one of those hand swords. You've probably seen them in movies like Egypt and stuff. But it was really, it was really popular from, like, uh, a lot of parts of the Middle East down into, like, Northern Africa. Probably, like, farther down than that. But it was super popular, and uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to use this Kopesh. And then, like, I started naming my character. and Like, I looked up names, and I looked up the meaning of those names. And I wanted to make it, like, involved in, like, swords and stuff like that. And uh, I started looking up stuff from, like, India because it got really, like, connected in there. This was in, like, 15, 20 minutes. Um, and I ended up finding out a lot of stuff about the cultures in that area. And then from the things that I learned there, I brought that forward to my GM by the end of it, like, I'd spent, like, 40 minutes, and then my roommate, who was, like, I was actually going to use, um, I forget the name of it, but there's this, uh, this Indian dagger, uh, uh, pistol that is super fucking cool <laughs> that I wanted to use initially, right? It's a dagger pistol where you stab someone, and then you, <laughs> like, you pull the trigger, and then you blow them up. It's so rad, and it's really, really old. But it's this thing that Indian princes use, or they're like given. And uh, my roommate uh, is first generation Indian American. So I was like, yo, would it be like fucked up if I use this? And she was like, eh, it's like kind of just for, for like royalty. Probably wouldn't be bad. I'm like, nah, I just won't use it. Uh, that's just too close to not enough stuff that I know about. Fuck it, I got the Kopesh. I'll use Kopesh. Very common weapon. It doesn't have like a like a deep historical background that is tied to a particular person. It's like this is just a weapon that was used during the time. And like it's it's still valuable because of like the way it's shaped is specific to the way that people like did combat and stuff like that. So it's still it's still rich, but it's not something that's attached to someone so heavily that it means, oh, someone used the Kopesh, I'm gonna go like beat the crap out of him. So uh, I brought all this stuff to my GM. It was a really short conversation because I knew what I was talking about by the end. And I was like, I want to use the Kopesh. My character's going to be from here. I picked a location based off of, I was like, okay, this would kind of be the area where uh, this person would be from. Uh, and we started building, because we just got inspired, the, the Swordmaster culture in the Feywild that taught my character how to be a sword master so the fae ended up using this like circular style of fighting and would fight on like circular platforms and stuff and we ended up making this really cool like fae slash north african fighting style thing that was super rad and like meshed together like these cultural things just on a level that was like this isn't this isn't harmful to anyone because i read and like found out where's like the commonality rather than something that's really specific. And we made something that was hella cool and it affected the entire universe. And every time I do that now from then on, my games get so fucking cool because I learn about stuff that I didn't know about before. You take time and you learn about disabilities and what people need and what kind of resources they have. 
it goes from in the future everyone it doesn't no one has disabilities because everyone has robotic arms or whatever to people who have a lot of money who are disabled have robotic arms and robotic legs and robotic lungs or whatever it happens to be and people who are really poor still don't and now there's conflict there and you don't have to get into the details of that you can just leave it at that because a disabled person who's like an advocate or you talk to a couple people you tweet a couple people honestly tweeting at someone with uh with enough background information to have an informed question people will answer you like nine out of ten times and, and conflict makes a good novel yeah it makes your story so much richer because then people now have a context for the rich, the depth of your world. They know that other people, if someone jumps into that world and decides to play a like, character like that, if they like see that they're represented in some way, or people that they know are represented in some way, their world becomes so much, your, your world becomes so much more real to them. And then they engage in a way that's like, holy shit, I, I can see all of this stuff. If people say, instead of going... We are in the green fields, and there's a dragon, and there's some elves. Everyone's attachment to every experience they've had in media comes with that. When you bring something new to the table, or something that even is similar but has more rich and richness and depth to it, they will disassociate from that context of this is like that other thing, and go, I am familiar with this, but this is something new because you have specifics in how things are going down in your world. Um, does anybody have any questions before I continue? I was hoping you could unpack a little bit the, uh, like the decision you made to not use the dagger pistol. Yeah. So, um, I didn't know enough. It's, um, it's probably something from, from what I've read and from what my roommate told me, which in this situation for me it was not enough information um i just didn't feel comfortable with it it's something that's important to um uh hierarchy and that's a complicated thing going on in india from like the conversations that i've had with my roommate some indian friends they have some feelings about like the caste system and classism going on there I there's there's I don't know enough about that personally for me to be like well this is something that a prince uses and maybe if this was a European prince that wouldn't be a big deal because we have so much literature about it that it's like if you use Excalibur in a game everyone's just like cool as fuck but if I use something that's connected to yeah. uh, to an Indian prince and I don't I don't know enough about the media I haven't consumed enough I don't have enough culture so you could be accidentally reinforcing some kind of like caste thing that you don't know it's possible. And so that's, that's kind of where that... Yeah. And it's it's easy to dodge. It's like... Oh, I don't know enough about... I'll just keep going. Um, uh, in the, the process of expansion... Because a lot of the times I get people are like... Oh, like I have to know so much and I have to research so much. I have to read so many books. It's like... Not really. Just use something very common. Like you put in a small amount of work. That's more than people have put in before. In other in other settings and other in other worlds, and also just fictionally, you don't have to put in a lot for someone's for someone's mind to start just racing in a direction. And then uh, a lot of games right now are collaborative in the way that we like world build from like the base setting. Like I said, with me and my GM, you move forward with something as long as it's something that doesn't have a super high amount of depth you're not appropriating because you know the basis of how this thing is important and as long as you come back to that core loop of why this thing is important you won't be appropriating I appreciate it. yeah so I just just like eh, I would really love to use it so maybe sometime I will do like more research and talk to more people and get more opinions on it and if it seems really clear that I can I totally will but then if somebody like comes up to me and is mad about it I'll I'll fix it because I still like I maybe if I talk to five Indian people who are first generation from India and a, like an Indian grandpa who's 90 and they all say it's cool but if someone is like yo this is this is kind of fucked up to me for this reason like it's still something to evaluate so one it's getting out of that way because I don't want someone to have that experience honestly like me just taking a small turn isn't worth like possibly hurting someone's feelings or interfering with someone's like like uh 
like cultural issues um and on that same point it's like you never know what's going to happen and it's a lot easier to if you have a lot of research behind you and a lot of experience then it's a lot easier to go okay i totally understand where you're coming from because like it's not personal it's like i'm not being personally attacked someone's just helping me learn more so i think without information it's easy to feel personally attacked because i think there's guilt there and people are like oh no i had no intention to do anything but you also didn't have the intention to like learn more and like actually invest in it's like i don't i don't have a bunch of stuff in my games directly because i don't have enough information on it but i can leave the field open enough to where people can fill in like their own spaces which is another like technique i like to use but it's like uh, good intentions are not harm reduction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. And it's like you made such a great point. Uh, the whole resist the Dunning Kruger effect and recognize how much you don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's super important. Um, do you have a oh wait, uh, Mo, you were gonna go. Um, is there an opportunity at the point where you're like, all right, I might be on shaky ground to say, all right, we're gonna re redraw this knife. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're going to continue to maybe we'll rework how it works yeah. and now it is not this thing from this culture it's part of a fantasy setting yeah. is, is there an opportunity to do that without crossing any lines? I totally think there is um, I think it's just how it's gone about is super important because as long as it's referenced that like hey do you know this was my inspiration for this I'm like we took this in this direction I thought this was a cool concept because Indian princes did this thing and there was this ritual and like and like all that stuff like even it doesn't even have to be like you have to have a long conversation or whatever but like in your text being like I drew from these inspirations um, is always good because I mean for one it's not a unique concept to have like a gun sword or a gun knife or whatever it happens to be but if you specifically saw that it's one of those things where like showing that you're honoring those places means that and this comes back to like the core of it is that more people see how much you care and if they see how much you care about people's cultures and identities and experiences on the paper they feel so much safer in playing with you because it's like oh this person gives a shit if something comes up I can say something if I look in the text and there's like much more representation in, in, in the way of like oh they actually care about like people's experiences that means that when they come to the table that's the first thing they're aware of is they care about my experience uh that's where so many people fail in i i know so many especially white people who are good-hearted and are always like right now everyone's like shit like get on gotta get on my diversity jam and like do this shit i don't want to be one of those fucked up people I'm nice, and I have, like, I have queer friends and people of color friends and disabled friends and shit, and I want to share my games with them. And then you're like, let's play Dungeons and Dragons. And then they're like, this seems, like, this is, this is okay, but I don't, nah, I'm not really feeling it. And you're like, I don't get it. I have so much fun with this game. Y'all should just keep playing, and, like, you'll get it. And I've even been there. Or before I even really understood, because, like, I... I saw that shit, I internalized it, and then I ignored it because I was a teenager, and then it just stays with you. Um, and then eventually I got really pissed, and I started thinking, like, other shit. But, real quick, and then we'll go. Yeah, like, um, some, something that, that I've, I've seen, too, it feels like one way to check yourself on some of that stuff is see what, what references you're drawing on. If you're, if you're assuming, if you're relying on the players to understand something about the culture that you drew it from in order to understand what it is that you've introduced, mm -hmm. then you better know the, those references right. and what they mean to the players, which is tough to do. Right. But if, if it's inspired by, if you've taken it and changed it enough, that it's like, oh yeah, yeah, this, this was cool, but here's what I'm doing with it. Right. It's a different thing. They don't have to know about the culture to, to draw on it. You're not, you're not going to be pulling on their assumptions that because it came from the, you know, the, the, those, those lands that it's going to be dark and evil. Right. right. Yeah. Um, so I'm sorry. I did. Uh, uh, real quick, Mo, Mo had a thing. You go ahead. All right. Uh, sort of going off on what you were saying about, you know, I want to have more diversity at my table and let's just play Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid that going in the opposite direction of designing a game that is functionally like a psychological experiment to explore 
assumptions about you know gender and race and all that 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 will feel patronizing to a player I'm trying to bring to the table. So if in the example of like the past, all right, so these races are problematic, I could turn that into commentary and say, okay, well, what if we don't let the player choose the race? Mm -hmm. Because you don't in real life, you don't choose you know the, the identity that you have. Yeah. If I build that into a mechanic, it's possible that it could single a player out yeah. and say, well, all right, so you made this fundamental change to the way the Dungeons and Dragons works, yeah. and I feel like it's because I'm sitting here. You know what I mean? So I, I just, what are your thoughts on, on where to strike that balance between the experimental side and like the traditional side? Don't play D&D. &D. Okay. That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike. Uh, no, um, uh, legit, don't play those games. It's, it's, it's like, uh, everything I do in my life is like reflective of, everything I say is reflective of something I do. Because I think it's bullshit. I can't say something that I like. I will feel fucking terrible if I say something that I have not done, right? So there's an equivalent of I'm 28, right? So when I was 24, 25, I was still hanging out with shitty people and not knowing why. And I was like, these are people that make me feel bad, but I just keep hanging out with them because we've hung out for so long. And then one day I went, I can just not. And then my life got so much better, right? <laughs> and for, for a while in that process of that time where I, when I'm sh hanging out with these shitty people, I'm like, and some of them aren't even, you know, some of them aren't even shitty. They just make you feel bad, right? It's just, you just don't want them in your life, but you feel this guilt immediately where it's like, we've been at it for so long. We've been friends. We've been in this relationship, whatever it is. And it's like, you're not even like a bad person. You just like, you, you make me feel bad. And that's not something you're going to change. And there's just a point where it's like, but uh, because because we had this relationship for so long, whatever it is, uh, and there's this like social sort of pressure internalized that you have to continue like being a part of these things. And I'm totally sorry if I'm hitting on your lives right now. <laughs> You're like, fuck! I have that friend. I need to get out of here. Uh, <laughs> it's marriage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <boy. That's> true. <laughs> and like, <laughs> sick burn. Uh, but she uh, won't hear this. You Stop like course you will. <laughs> like games are a way easier than that kind of situation where it's like there are so many games out there that you can freely abandon or just play in situations where you know it's not a problem for anyone. If people are like, no, I'm fully on board to do that. Those are the people to play with. And then you have a bunch of games, and especially a bunch of new games coming out that deal with those things a lot better and give you a really uh, much easier platform to start jumping into that because you're like oh this game actually has really good representation maybe there are some holes or maybe there's some places you want to change things but you can then like start attributing those values you don't have to start from the bottom mm -hmm. especially like hacking is so popular now so it helps a lot uh, can i speak to that yeah so when you play a D, &D and you decide to be a race essentially you're deciding to be a um, skinny white guy who lives long or a normal white guy, or a short white guy who lives in caves. <laughs> yeah. Or, I mean, like, right. yeah, it's diverse, isn't it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. okay, uh, it's kind of like the X-Men thing. It's like, the X-Men was made to be this um, allegory of race, and so you get all these white guys, and mm -hmm. then the allegory of race, you're yeah. like, Mm. Okay, maybe. <laughs> yeah. With the white MLK representative. Right, white exactly. White Malcolm X representative. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. And, and I understand, like, okay, well, maybe black people weren't the audience for that. But when we're talking about gaming, and when we're talking about being game designers, um, I, I have bought games because they had a black guy cover. Mm. And I've been let down. But, <laughs> but you know, you, you have that black impulse purchase. Cover. Yeah. And... <laughs> But I mean, it, it's it's really simple. It's like, does this include me? Mm -hmm. You know, do I have to like fix this game if I'm gonna run it? Do I have to fix this game if I'm gonna play it? Do if I'm gonna play in, in a world where I'm a Sylvan defender, am I? If I choose to be a black guy, am I defending all these white fairy people? You mm -hmm. know, and like, are there any black fairy people for me to defend? And like, does it make a difference? It's a game. It's supposed to be fun, mm -hmm. but. I mean, we, we invest a lot of time and energy into this, and you know, then you look on the news, or you go to a funeral, and you're trying to tell people what you do for your free time, 
And it starts sounding real odd. Mm-hmm. Um, does that make any sense? Yeah. To not be yeah, too absolutely. deep into politics. At all. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, what I don't know if you want to bring up D and D at a funeral, but that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question. But this is what you're doing to spend your time. Sure. Yeah. And could your time be better spent? Mm-hmm. Maybe your time for enjoyment. Um, is this something you want to let people in your community in on because you enjoy it? Mm-hmm. Would it feel welcoming to them? Right. So I'm gonna get into this point uh, again that uh, those situations, those games are inherently gatekeeping. Inherently. It's real fucked up. D&D made it so that the human that's on the cover of, like, the human race is a black woman. And that got, gets, like, black people to turn the page one more time, right? But you turn the next page, and then you go through the rest of the book, and it's like, you read the context and all the stories and stuff. And it's like, is that still a place where I want to be? Now, if you read this stuff, it's like they were shoehorned in the way it feels, because a lot of the way it works, this comes back to colonization is a really, really big problem um, that are you fighting for something that doesn't even mesh with the culture? You can, you can put a person of any, any race background marginalization into a place, but then they can be fighting still for something that is similar to oh, now we're just the oppressors, and that's not good. That's, that's, that's not really empowerment in the way that people from these backgrounds usually want and being in the position of power is just like, ew. Because uh, you don't want to be like the people who make you feel bad. Um, so I want to get into um, specific storytelling. Uh, a lot of the time, there are some issues that usually come up. People will go in this direction and go like, shit, what do I do? Um, for one, I, I like have been very broad, but a huge benefit is specific storytelling. You don't have to create the entire world. Um, there's a game, what's it called? Roar of Lions, I think. It happens inside of a tank. The whole game happens inside of a tank during like World War II or something like that. Like, you don't have to venture across like universes or an entire planet or whatever it is to like make your game you can have settings that are very specific to it like one experience or that has a range of experiences available in a space that is more controlled just having the context around it have a lot more going on so that it makes more sense for people to feel comfortable in that smaller space you can build inward and then you can build a whole world if you want to, but then go smaller and smaller and smaller into like unique experiences. And uh, from what I have noticed, games that have more unique experiences, very specific experiences, are much more interesting to people right now. Because if someone says, hey, do you want to play this game in this setting that's so huge? It's like, yeah, I guess. I don't know what I would do, but like, you go around and you like fight stuff, and then you get stronger, and then you get more stronger and you get stuff and I'm like that's cool that's rad I like that kind of thing but when someone's like hey this game happens inside of a tank I'm like what the fuck tell me more why am I in a tank what's gonna happen in this tank we're gonna play four hours of being in this tank how do you like I'm so interested uh, and when the that's what catches my attention a lot that's a lot of a, a much better pitch to people who you want to come and play because you have something so unique that it's like there there are lots of games like I haven't played Fiasco yet because I really want to play in person um, but that game sounds so interesting to me because every time people talk about it they're like I, I can't even really tell you it gets weird we just like do all this wild stuff it goes really fast and like the way that people describe it it sounds like a very unique experience and so I'm like yo yeah this sounds great like show me it's it's this much it's this much time it it has this sort of pace like it's only involved in like we're doing this weird heisty like everything goes wrong sort of situation uh and so um having a greater context like let's take the tank thing for example because i want to like contextualize all this stuff um you can say it's 1920 right um but you can be like this is alternate 1920 where 
everyone was able to enlist and people enlisted to like get around a bunch of stuff um, because it's still a war so like war still has the context of colonization and stuff but ways to get to make this stuff more rich um, is to go like this war has a conflict where no one is right for one uh, and you're on this battlefield and you're stuck in this tank you're a part of a tank team everyone got to enlist whoever they wanted to and a lot of people signed up voluntarily already I'm at a point where I don't feel pressured to be involved in like some national conflict my character has been told that they voluntarily did this nobody's really right so there's no position of power that we're giving to one nation or another you don't even have to say that this is you don't even have to use real nation names or whatever you can change the names make them non-american non-russian non-french whatever it happens to be um and then skip over all the stuff that's unimportant and go you're in a tank and you're with these three people who you may love or hate or a combination of both and you've been at this war for a long time and you're fucking exhausted and we're about to play this game and now i'm interested as fuck and i don't have all of this context like you you are actively trying to remove all of the things like you're scraping out my brain of everything i know about the problematic issues of like world war one and world war two and all the things that i know about the history of black people there like queer people and stuff like that it's all gone because you said so and that's how easy it can be to set up a more diverse and a more welcoming situation even in periods that seem like it would be impossible so uh specific storytelling is super 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 important and then figuring out how to take out those pieces that could be problematic to others and if you have a, a spot that is like your blind spot where it's like i forget these people often like it happens to everybody everyone just has blind spots like constantly reminding yourself by putting like i'm gonna have an npc that has or is like write that shit out like i made sure i was doing a play test and i was like I'm going to have a character who's asexual in this game. And that was it. And I just made sure that they were there and that they were they were an NPC. They were slightly important, but and I just like used it I uh used their correct pronouns all the time and I made sure that it was important that I did that. No one at the table was asexual. There might not have been any benefit and that might not have made someone come to the table if I was like, oh, this this character, this NPC is asexual. Hey. Um, but at the end, everyone appreciated it. Because I actively tried. I think I fucked up their pronouns once. And I corrected it and we kept going. I'm non-binary. I fuck up pronouns all the time. Uh, but making the active change of going, I'm going to have this character in this story because I think it's important to me. Even if it's not specific to anyone at this table shows that I give a crap about those people and people who were there even though it's not their particular context they know asexual people they care about asexual people I showed that I cared as well and people felt much better about the world and about the experience at the table so there's so much value and depth to putting that stuff in your games and participating in that stuff in the table and I swear to you if you start doing that shit you will have the most diverse table hands down and you'll have the coolest fucking people too like uh we got like 10 minutes so y'all can ask me anything you want oh uh there have been studies showing that diversity just makes everything pretty much makes everything better in terms of group experiences in terms of like quality of the output uh collaboration success uh all quantity all other things pretty much across the board it's just objectively better to be more diverse yeah yeah it's true. Like, my life's fucking great. I wanted to ask specifically more about, like, the D&D using, like, a black woman to represent humans. And, like, what does that do from your, from your perspective? Does that do anything beneficial? And, like, what are the specific limitations that, like... Is it basic, like... Is it, does it feel like it's a very superficial treatment or? Yeah, it's tokenism. That's all it is. They're no, if you read the. They, they don't address it anymore. They just right. The JPEG right. The, right. They put a picture so that 
black people and people who are concerned about black people being in the game feel more comfortable. In the text, uh, the city of black people in... <laughs> this, is, this, this is real. Sorry, Mike. Uh, the city of black people uh, has, like, the monkey flu or something like that. Ooh. They're... Uh, they they did not get enough flack for this honestly because oh, they did shit it was before tomb of annihilation i think uh or was it tomb of annihilation <laughs> they have a they have a city it's a it's a jungle city that's where all the people of color basically are uh they have like really poor descriptions of people of color there it's supposed to be kind of kind of like a mesopotamia like sort of thing going on with a lot of very like Arabic and and African like inspirations. Uh, they had no black people, even uh, consolidated or consolidated consulted consulted, uh, consulted on it. There, yeah. There's this really good um, writer at Polygon, probably one of like the three, but she's fucking amazing, and she did the article on it. And uh, yeah, they had they had no consultants, they had no black people working on it, and they made a lot of very problematic shit. And it got swept under the rug. Uh, and then it moved on to Curse of Shad. Uh, <laughs> but um, it was a mess. And, like, you can have that picture. And <laughs> but you made a world where it's really fucked up. And you're like, ah, oh, we have to make these black people so so specific. Because they are not like everyone else. And that's a bad thing. You know? Like, if it's better if we live in a world where mixed people just exist together... Or even if you're going to have places that are more heavily of one demographic to sway away from a lot of the tropes that exist. So all the stuff like uh, what you see and what you get can definitely be like super different. So. so you said that was just before Curse of Strahd. So this is 5th edition? Yeah. That yeah. came out? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Look it up. It's wild. Oh my god. I don't know if I want to. <laughs> That's a good question. A lot of it to me is being prepared on your side for what you know are problems in those spheres. So um, a lot of the time when people want to pull things from other cultures, they just say it like at the table. They're like, I want to be this. And they just start rolling with it. Um, and it's it's there are ways to like uh, Tai Chi like the energies around um to straight up be like oh cool you want to be that um awesome um can you give me like this much research behind this person and their culture and like uh you're like cool you want to be like this japanese woman that's dope um how about you send me like like do a little research on this person during like this time period or whatever and uh like you can bring it to the table, we'll take a look at it and see what we can do. You know? Like, establishing that it takes work in order to actually put yourself in that position um, is a thing that doesn't have to be, like, an aggressive no. Because you still, like, you kind of want people to, to investigate and see, like, what those things are like. And if they straight up come up with, oh, well, I didn't really have a lot of stuff or they didn't put in a lot of work and time, or even if they did and it makes you uncomfortable, you can be like, I don't think this works out. Like, maybe try something else closer to home or whatever it happens to be. Because uh, guiding that line, like, I, I make story games that are PBTA, uh, and like uh, uh, Fortune in the Dark, so there's there's uh, a culture, more, more heavy collaboration at the table, so it's not like everyone can just come in and do whatever they want and also I can't just come in and do whatever I want so there's a bit better of a power balance there uh, but like being able to guide people towards at least investing time and energy into uh, or as you just say away from appropriation is like super important um, what do you say when people say okay I want to play a 
I guess it's a reading example, a black character. And you almost feel like it falls into stereotype. Honestly, I'm at the point where I'm just like, no. <laughs> I think it is super important to say no. I mean, uh, how, how do you address it kind of as a player, as a GM, when you see some, somebody who's like, oh, I'm so poor, I'm so poor, I'm so poor, I'm so poor. I, I either just straight up say no, or I like will use the X card, or I will... At that point, if someone's in that position, they've already gone way too far past my lines and boundaries um, to where I will... If like I'm at a con or something like this, and it's never happened, but I would straight up be like, "I'm not comfortable playing with you. That's fucked up and well, racist." This might be their imagination of diversity, right? You know, or you know, they want to play a gay character, and so they start acting super feminine, right? Um, you know, they 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 have a vision of what diversity looks like, but it's very narrow. Yeah. Vision. To me, it's just cut it off as early as possible, because the farther you let it go the harder it is to cut it off and there's probably other people at the table who also feel uncomfortable I mean that's why safety tools are super important uh, and that's like a whole bag but uh, whatever safety tools you have available definitely like don't let stuff go on stop it super early if you have the opportunity uh, because it legit gets harder. Like, I know so many people with stories where it starts off a little iffy and they definitely weren't sure and kind of didn't want it and then they let it keep going and so it got really hard to stop because it's, it's just internally difficult to stop like a train that's been running for a while. Is there a positive approach to that? Besides, stop, you're doing it wrong. Well, I think that, like, the directness is important if, like, if you can, like, if, if you can do that. Um, but... Uh, if you're a player always talking to GM, to the GM if you're with the GM you trust hopefully you are um, otherwise like some people like to do messaging and be like either send a message to the GM the GM sends a message to that person directly message them and like hey I like that you are trying to diversify the people you play but I think that you are falling back on these tropes and these things are offensive and can be harmful and I also like to be the kind of person who goes, maybe you should, and it doesn't have to be like, read these books and here are these links. Maybe you should spend more time invested in those communities, talking to those people. How are you going to play a gay person if you've never been around actual gay people, mm. right? How are you going to play this, this person without falling into the stereotypes because that's all you know. Right. And, like, also, like, this leads into, like, consent and stuff, but, like, setting up the consent for people to play those characters by, like, opening up that door of going, these characters are okay, and actually, like, it's empowering in a way to do so because you're like, here, do this work if necessary, and be like, cool, like, this is what we want to do is really good so that when someone's like, hey, like, I want to play a gay character, but can I be hella effeminate? And if everyone's like, yeah, that'd be hella cool, just, like, maybe be careful of this or that, but, like, we'll play within the lines and, like, see, that's a lot easier to deal with. And going to a person being like, hey, if you really want to do this particular thing, I highly recommend doing this, and if everyone's comfortable, maybe we can figure out how to chart that. Or if it's just, like, this person knows nothing, cut off the pass and be like, no. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but, uh... That's my time. I have a, a quick question. We can uh, walk and talk. Uh, uh, thanks, thank you. Sorry, thank Mike. Butts. Butts. Thanks. I just keep saying it into the microphone because he said, don't say anything you don't want to say on the internet. And I want to say butts on the internet. Butts it is.